Hi everyone, I'm Kiana, and I'd like to welcome you to Toronto Nature Now, brought to you by CJRU 1280 AM in Toronto and the Toronto Field Naturalists. The Toronto Field Naturalists are a volunteer-run, non-profit nature conservation organization connecting people with nature and wildlife in the Toronto area. They're also celebrating their 100th anniversary. So today, I'm talking to Ellen Schwartzel, who's here to talk about the Toronto Field Naturalist's century of advocacy for Toronto's nature. Ellen is past president of the Toronto Field Naturalists. Her career in environmental policy included 23 years with the Environmental Commissioner of Ontario. She was Ontario's Deputy Environmental Commissioner for four years until retiring in 2018. Ellen's academic training was in botany, where she received her BSc and MSc at the University of Toronto. Here's what Ellen had to say. Hi, Ellen. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks very much. Thank you for coming today. And today you're going to talk to me and the listeners about a century of advocacy for Toronto's nature. And so my first question is, the Toronto Field Naturalists are celebrating its 100th anniversary this year. Congratulations. Um, And I don't imagine there are many nature groups that have been active in Toronto that length of time. So what's TFN doing to celebrate? Well, thanks very much for the congratulations. We're we're delighted. And we're going to celebrate with a whole string of events, big and small, over the coming year. We're going to have a special issue of our newsletter with stories and highlights of the past century. We're going to be sharing video interviews with some of our longtime members. And, and we have in mind a photo exhibit of Toronto's be- most beautiful nature spots. Uh, We hope to meet with many Toronto City Councillors over the coming year, so that's going to be kind of an outreach and advocacy angle. And and a a number of other things, uh, special lectures, parties, gatherings, some of it we are going to keep under our hat, you know, for the moment. So stay tuned. It's a few surprises, we hope. That sounds like so much fun. Yeah. And so today we want to focus on TFN's advocacy contributions. We're looking at how TFN has been speaking up for nature over the past century. It must be quite a story. How did you research the history? Well, you know, we're, we're lucky that, that all of uh, TFN's newsletters dating right back to the 1930s are digitized online now for the public. So you could look at them with huge thanks to Jason Ramsey Brown, who spent months on that project. And I also relied on a summary of TFN's history from the beginnings to about 1965. And that one was prepared by Dr. R.M. Saunders. And and he was a history prof at U of T. And he was also the editor of TFN's newsletter for, uh, get this, for 27 years. So uh, amazing. And, And he was also a passionate birder. I, I want to stress, though, that I've only been able to scratch the surface on this topic and, and poke about a bit in the files. I'm, I'm not a historian by any stretch, so it would be terrific for a real historian to, to dig into the many records and, and to also, you know, check out Toronto archives and so on. Uh, there'd be an excellent book or, or several books that could be written, I'm sure. Great. Thank you. It seems, though, that you've done a lot of research yourself, so that's great. So can you give us a sketch of what you found? What are some highlights of TFN's advocacy for nature? 
do you know, uh, I think what impressed me was that right from the first meeting in 1923, um, the, the people who founded the group, they decided that speaking up for nature was a core part of TFN's mandate. So in the first meeting, they said, you know, the purposes of this group, and they called it a club at that time, um, was uh, to cooperate with governments in the protection of wildlife the preparation of exhibits and the compilation of natural history records and to encourage the establishment of wildlife sanctuaries. So you can see that right there, you know, are some advocacy angles. Um, and then uh, during the presidency of Professor Diamond, uh, just a few years later, sort of 29 to 31, um, the club became very seriously associated with um, making conservation, as they called it then, a living issue to its members and to the public. And in particular, they joined in a drive to get better protection for eagles, pelicans, herons, and cormorants, and then later for all hawks and owls too. What you want to keep in mind is that in those days, birds of prey were seen as pests and people went out of their way to kill them, often in gruesome ways. So, so they worked on that for, for quite some time. So after the war, Toronto Field Naturalists remained active and they had, there was a province-wide campaign to the Ontario legislature to protect hawks and owls. Um, at the, around the same time, TFN also talked a lot about providing natural habitat for birds. And back then they called it the value of underbrush um, in parks like High Park. So if you go to, say, the March 1948 newsletter, it was almost entirely devoted to those two causes. So that gives you sort of a, a just an example. Now, you know, there seem to have been some longish gaps in TFN's advocacy work, sort of quiet times, but, but I think it was by the 1960s that TFN had a part in setting up a nature study area on Toronto Island. And, and then also in the 1960s, TFN worked to establish a wildflower garden in the James Gardens Park. So, you know, I can't really give you a blow-by-blow blow account of 100 years, but if, if we've got time, I'll just share short snapshots of the 1970s and 1980s. So environmental concerns really heated up in the 1970s all over the world and, and in Toronto too. And, and so if you take a look, say, at the March 1975 newsletter, it featured a letter campaign on returnable cans and bottles, and, and recycling remains in the media today, like literally today. Um, the same newsletter issue also highlighted the need to better protect Toronto ravines. And it also launched a letter campaign on duck hunting in Point Pelee National Park. So when you go to, you know, the, the late 1980s, you know, a, a decade later, TFN's monthly newsletter was typically just brimming with advocacy updates. At that point, TFN President Helen Johola was requesting and receiving detailed updates on Toronto's ravine strategy from the Parks Commissioner at the time, Herb Perk. So from then to the current day, I, I got the sense from what I saw that the TFN leaders and, and membership were, were active constantly speaking up for ravines, uh, for bird habitat, and a whole set of other concerns. That's great. Thank you. It's so cool to hear about the different examples that you mentioned. And so I know you mentioned that it started with advocacy and protection, and it seems now that they that TFN still does that. So how would you say that TFN's messages and voice evolved over the decades? 
you know, for starters, um, I would say our focus shifted. So in recent years, we have shifted to focus more closely on local nature issues, not say, you know, the world's oceans or tropical biodiversity. We tend to leave topics such as recycling legislation and other things, we leave them to specialized groups with that kind of expertise. And even for provincial nature issues, we mostly rely on Ontario Nature and other provincial and uh, nonprofits these days. So, so let's not forget that TFN leaders, and especially that Professor Diamond that I mentioned, they had a really big part in creating Ontario Nature. It was then called the Federation of Ontario Naturalists in 1931. So they created a provincial organization. And that was a pattern for TFN that as a sort of a granddaddy group, TFN nurtured and encouraged new groups. And they then grew into their own strengths and could deliver their own advocacy and public education. So that, I think, is, is really an important evolution. And, and the other thing is um, that that is sort of really jumps out at me is that that TFN's public voice has also become far simpler and more direct and, and more plain language. So less dry and academic. And of course, media groups and, and, and governments worldwide have made that shift. And, and it's a good thing, of course. Thank you. I like the change from big to small because, you know, the small things matter. Yes, they do. And so you previously mentioned some gaps in TFN's advocacy. So what would be some examples of the gaps? Uh, again, um, I've, I've only been able to scratch the surface and, and someone should do the research and, and maybe they'll prove me wrong. But it, it seems like TFN had very little to say about the construction of the Don Valley Parkway. And now the Don Valley Parkway, for people who know Toronto, obviously, it destroyed an enormous natural valley land running north-south down the middle of Toronto. And planning for that highway began in 1953, and the first section was opened in 1961. So think about that. That was breakneck speed development compared to today. So maybe, you know, the people uh, who ran TFN, maybe the view at the time was that the Don Valley Parkway was like a juggernaut project and just impossible to stop. One of the few people who did speak up about the Don Valley Parkway was Charles Soriel, and he was a great local champion of conservation. And, you know, Toronto Nature Now has two episodes featuring the work of Charles Soriel. If you go back to episodes 116 and 122 and check them out on SoundCloud, it's, they're really good, good stories. So, so the Don Valley Parkway is one example where I would have wished that TFN had taken a strong stand. Of course, most of us weren't alive at that time, but you know, <laughs> that it's just it's just sort of an interesting thing to look at, you know, from a historic point of view. For sure, we typically look back in time for a reason. We want the context so we can better understand our current situations and challenges. History helps us orient ourselves in time and space. What are takeaways and insights for you, having skimmed through TFN's advocacy history? I'd say that that protecting nature remains a huge challenge to this day. And, and our remnant patches of urban nature, they face some of the biggest challenges we can imagine these days. So, so I think it's always been that way. But, you know, protecting nature is a mission that relies on a really wide range of skills. Um, it takes a big team. 
And uh, and remember, we're an all volunteer team. We have no staff. So we need people who work together and support each other. So, so when you're working to protect nature, you do need the educators and the inspiring voices. You need artists to celebrate nature's beauty. Uh, we need taxonomy experts who know the Latin names of everything. And we need field ecologists who are brilliant in interpreting small changes on, on the ground. And, and TFN has often had those people with those skills. So and we also need people who are willing to care for ravines hands-on with gardening gloves and pruning clippers. But that's not all that we need. Like for advocacy, we need more. So to if you want to be a counterweight to the enormous development pressures in, in a big city, we're also going to need people who can speak up at planning meetings, who can write effective submissions and, and ask those, those hard questions. Those folks also need to keep track of a lot of facts and, and uh, details and, and people's names, and they need political instincts. So often we're playing a long game on a very wide field and, and the rules keep changing. So a lot of patience and persistence is required. And this has sort of been a reality all through the past hundred years. And, and activists also have to be willing to push back and to have good judgment on when to push and when to act in partnership. And, and so that's not quite the same as being pushy. You, you have to know the difference. So, so what strikes me after a hundred years <laughs> is that we are still, we're always looking for volunteers who have skill sets and mindsets that lean towards advocacy. There's a ton of good work to do protecting Toronto's nature for future generations, uh, whether it's in the Don Valley or at Ontario Place or at the Toronto Islands, right across the city. So we'd like to hear from you if, if advocacy is something that, that is in your, in your heart and, and, and in your, in your, um, in your skill set. For sure. I think the more the better and the only way to go is up. Yes, yes. And so my last question is, how does TFN's long record of nature advocacy play into the work your group is doing these days? So um, we, I think we have developed a, a track record as an independent, credible voice on behalf of nature. And, and independent because we don't take funds from, from any agency. So remarkably independent and, and credible because partly because we've been around for 100 years. So, so that means a great deal to the work we do. And you're, you're only as good as your name, really. And, and TFN has patiently built up a good name over the past century. So that means we do get asked to participate in issues. And when we give our opinion, it has influence. Now, decisions don't always go in favor of nature. And, and that is disappointing, of course. But we know that we're engaged in a long, long campaign. And it's enormously worthwhile work. So, so TFN has made a difference, and there's wonderful potential to do a lot more. So, so that's really how the, 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 the track record of TFN and the name of TFN um, remains important to us today. Yes, for sure. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today and talking about, you know, how great TFN is. It's been a pleasure, Kayana. I, I love talking about that. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, and congratulations, and we hope to see some party pictures. 
Oh, yes, we, we will have to do that. <laughs> Thanks again to Ellen Schwartzel for talking with me today. And I'd also like to thank you, the listeners, for tuning in. Anyone out there who'd like to get involved with the Toronto Field Naturalists or see their 100th anniversary shenanigans can visit their website at torontofieldnaturalists.org. Again, that's torontofieldnaturalists.org. Another congratulations to the TFN for celebrating their 100th anniversary. Shout out to Paul Overy, the show coordinator, and once again, I'm Kiana for CJRU, and this has been Toronto Nature Now. Make sure to tune in next time. 